Welcome back to Trennis Magnus, Jab's Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and I'm flooded in right now. For those of you who don't know, on Friday night slash Saturday morning, the Gulf Coast of Texas basically got smacked by, at that time, Hurricane Harvey, right? It was a Category 4 hurricane, and it pretty much shellacked uh, my local area, right? Basically a few hundred mile radius, you know, uh, to the east of me and to the west of me. Less so to the west of me. It's really uh, the uh, Gulf Coast uh, of Texas to the east of me. They're the ones that actually have gotten it the worst, at least so far. But it, it, it hasn't exactly been a picnic for the rest of us either, you know? So uh, anyway... And so, because I don't really have a whole lot else to do right now, what I've been doing is uh, just just sitting around, you know, uh, watching movies and reading stuff, and uh, obviously, you know, watching a lot of news reports and all of that stuff. And so, like I say, don't really have a whole lot else to do, so I decided I was going to podcast just a little bit. And this is a... I guess a little Trennis Magnus Jabs Reality sort of mini-series that I'm working my way through right now. I've decided I'm just going to go ahead and do this. Radio Free Isengard. And basically, if the name of this doesn't really give away my subject matter, uh, basically what happened is uh, on Friday night, I decided to watch some Lord of the Rings, right? And I would think the reason for that would be kind of obvious. Well, maybe not why it's Lord of the Rings necessarily, but, you know, why I would just want to think about something other than possibly impending death bearing down on me. You know, it's it's just a... On Friday night, you know, it, it was sort of a situation where there's literally nothing you can do. You know? It's... If your plan is to evacuate, well... By Friday night, it was too late to do that, you know? Uh, the roads were a mess, you know, just wall-to-wall traffic and, and all of that. And so, you know, there's literally nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. And so, uh, so that's, that's out of the question. And yet, staying where you are doesn't really seem like it's all that enticing of a proposition either. And so, what does one do? You know what I mean? And so, what... I at least did was I decided that I was going to watch, like I say, some uh, some uh, Lord of the Rings. Now, what I ended up doing was watching Return of the King, like I say, on Friday night, as you do when a hurricane is bearing down on you. So there are some basic, undeniable truths about the Lord of the Rings trilogy, at least for me. And one of them is that holy crap on a cracker. The theatrical version of Return of the King is clearly better than the extended cut. The extended cut has a bunch of scenes that either contribute really nothing at all to the movie, or else they actually detract from it. You know? For one thing. The reveal of the Ghost Army joining forces with Aragorn plays best when he's coming to Gondor's rescue, as he does in the theatrical cut. But in the extended cut, it gets revealed 
when he when he's attacking the pirate ship. So that ruins not only the reveal that the army of the dead have joined Aragorn, but it also ruins the reveal that he's captured the pirate ship. Both of those surprises get preserved in the theatrical cut, though. And then there's the, the whole Mouth of Sauron thing. Now, yeah, there's the drama of the good guys worrying about Frodo and Sam. Except, there's no real tension going on there because we viewers know that Frodo and Sam... Well, they're not exactly okay, but it's not like they're dead either, so that's good news. And the mouth of Sauron really has nothing to do with Sauron himself. He's basically Sauron's Jay Carney or Sean Spicer. He's not actually Sauron, he's just Sauron's PR guy who's in desperate need of a trip to the dentist. He's a front man to talk trash to Aragorn, but that's about it, really. But the mouth of Sauron isn't in the theatrical cut. And then there's Saruman and, and Wormtongue in Isengard. Now, maybe it's the optimist in me, but I kind of like the, the ambiguity of Sauron's fate in the theatrical version of Return of the King. Maybe he died in the flooding of Isengard. Or maybe he blew town, never to be seen or heard from again. Or maybe the Ents will teach Saruman the error of his ways, and over the centuries, well, he'll have learned his lesson. I like that. It offers some chance of redemption for Saruman, if you think he deserves one, that is. But I guess the other thing is, yeah, there's still a chance that Saruman still got shanked by Wormtongue off-camera if you're determined that he gets what's coming to him in the end. But there is no ambiguity about Saruman's fate in the extended cut. There's some other things going on with the extended cut as well, though. The bit at the beginning where uh, Smeagol strangles Deagle, that gets extended in the extended cut, and I don't really see that whatever it is that we gain from that, I don't really see where that really enhances the story or contributes too much of anything or, or adds anything, you know? So, I guess there's that. No real contribution is being made here, is the point. Merry and Pippin's conversation at Isengard, just before everybody else arrives, that's extended. But, again, nothing of any great importance is said or revealed or, or, or anything like that. It, it's a fun little character moment. But nothing much really comes out of that, you know? In Edoras, Eowyn gives Theoden the Cup of Kings before he toasts the victorious dead. Again, it doesn't contribute too much of anything, you know? Uh, then there's Legolas and Gimli having a drinking game. Uh, uh, Pippin, basically he watches Gandalf for a little while uh, during that whole little dancing bit. And I guess that's supposed to, you know, foreshadow what happens later with... How do you pronounce this word? Is it a palantir? Is that, is that how you pronounce that? I don't know. 
Anyway, but it basically that's what it's foreshadowing. And, you know, that had been pretty well set up earlier in the movie, so this just seems kind of unnecessary to me, you know? So, later on, there's a... There's this moment where Aragorn uh, has a has a little quick conversation with Eowyn in uh, the uh, uh, Edoras's uh, main hall, and she tells him about a dream that she had. And you know what? I mean, dude, we get it. You know, Eowyn's panties are kind of wet every time uh, Aragorn comes into the room. We know this, and in fact, you know, to be honest with you, not that this has anything to do with. Uh, the theatrical cut versus the extended cut or anything like that, but I actually do kind of like the idea of Eowyn ending up with Aragorn. Obviously, Tolkien had other preferences. I'm just saying that, you know, pairing the two of those up, well, there's a lot of logic to that, put it that way. So anyway, but the point is, I mean, we get it. You know, she's hot for him, and we're also equally certain that it ain't going to work out between those two. You know, it's not going to happen, you know? I think it probably would work out, but it's not going to happen, and that's that's the issue. So, anyway. Uh, let, so, let's see, moving right along, there's uh, Gandalf and Pippin's first meeting with uh, Denethor, the steward of Gondor. And, again, it's basically a kind of unnecessary extension to a scene that, in the theatrical cut, it was already concise, it was to the point, it got the message across, and then it ended. It does what what every scene in any movie needs to do, you know? It introduces a character or idea, or it develops a character or idea, it advances the story, or it does something, and then it fucking ends, okay? And the extended version, it doesn't, it doesn't do that as efficiently as the theatrical cut does. So, what can you do? So... Moving right along, the Frodo, Sam, and Gollum, they arrive at the crossroads of the Fallen King, and they see that a statue has been uh, defaced by orcs, and then Sam notices that the original head of the statue is lying nearby with flowers growing around it, and then the sun disappears behind a cloud, and then the, the flowers vanish, and then the, the trio move onward, you know? And... I do kind of like that the orcs are basically taking over the world. They're basically taking over society. They're subjugating it and remaking it in their own image. You know, and this is actually one of those things that, honestly, it wouldn't have been out of place in uh, the theatrical cut, you know, or at least some kind of an extended cut. You know, it, it does advance something because you don't really get that same message as much in uh, Fellowship and Towers as as you do here where yeah guys the the orcs they're not just uh, waging war they're remaking society you know they're remaking it in their own image you know so honestly fair play this actually was or could have been a uh, a legitimately important upgrade you know or addition or extension or whatever you want to call it you know and so as they begin climbing the stairs of Sirith Ungol Sam basically talks trash to Gollum a little bit, saying that he's going to kill him if he tries any tricks. And here again, we already know that there's tension between Sam and Gollum, you know? Sam threatening Gollum now doesn't really elaborate upon anything that we don't already know, you know? So, anyway, 
then we get this sort of uh, pointer scene, as George Lucas would call him. This is the beginning of the orcs' final push uh, into Osgiliath, and that bit gets extended, and it shows uh, Faramir's group trying to predict where the next attack is going to come from. And then one of his soldiers, or a couple of his soldiers, or something like that, basically gets taken out by, uh, by one of the orcs. And so, I mean, again, we know that, you know, shit is going down at Osgiliath. This scene doesn't give us anything new, you know what I mean? So, anyway. <sighs> Moving right along, uh, Aemir later tells uh, Eowyn that basically Mary's a coward. He's gonna he's gonna run away the, the second the fighting starts. And based upon everything that Aemir has probably seen or knows about when it comes to hobbits, that may seem like a worthwhile observation. But we viewers know that there's more to hobbits than meets the eye. No, on the one hand, they're not great warriors. But on the other hand, you know, when they're when they're backed into a corner, they're a lot tougher than you might think, you know? And so, you know, we viewers know the truth, even if, uh, even if Aemir doesn't, you know? And so, I don't know, like I say, nothing really gets uh, revealed there that we couldn't have already guessed, you know what I mean? So, I don't know. Later on, Aragorn demands that the army of the uh, a dead pledge allegiance to him. The co the uh, ghosts disappear, and it looks like they've refused his offer. And then the cavern begins collapsing, and then that causes an avalanche, and then all this other shit happens. And it basically gives a very wrong impression, you know, like, oh, wow, I, I guess the army of the dead rejected Aragorn's offer. Except we see in pretty short order that they didn't reject his offer, that all of this was just basically done for no real reason, you know? So anyway, like I said, it's, it's a cool little moment unto itself, but it gets immediately contradicted by other stuff, you know? And it doesn't, in the end, it doesn't really help, uh, help very much of anything, you know? So anyway, uh, moving right along, there's this little moment where Gandalf and, and Pippin, uh, they encounter the Witch King on their way to save Faramir. And basically, the Witch King uh, destroys Gandalf's staff and uh, that little pterodactyl-looking thing that he rides around on uh, has Pippin paralyzed with fear. And it looks like, wow, this is going to be like a real battle. You know, it's going to be the Witch King versus Gandalf, winner take all, you know, and all that. And that's not what happens. I mean, basically, the the Witch King ends up getting distracted by uh, the horns of Rohan, and then he just flees the scene. And, you know, this is, uh, honestly, this is, if you view this as a flaw, then this is a flaw that the theatrical cut and the extended cut have, because they both seem to be building up to some kind of a confrontation between uh, the Witch King and Gandalf. And then, fuck all happens, right? It's just the only difference is that we find out why fuck all happens in the extended cut, whereas in the theatrical cut, we don't. But in, in both cases, the outcome is the same. Fuck all happens. So, anyway. Um, moving right along. Um, golly, there's just a lot of uh, scene extensions and whatnot that are, uh, that, that are on this list. But probably the last one that I want to talk about 
during Gollum's battle with the hobbits on the slopes of Mount Doom, Frodo reminds Gollum, uh, Gollum that Smeagol promised to serve him. And then Gollum comes back with Smeagol lied. But the thing is, that kind of introduces a little bit of unnecessary ambiguity to the plot, because in The Two Towers, it's kind of suggested that Smeagol prevailed over Gollum. The Smeagol personality prevailed over the Gollum personality, and he was trying to do the right thing, you know? And he only uh, ever decided to betray the hobbits because they believed that, or rather, he believed that they had betrayed him, you know? And when he says that Smeagol lied, which is only available in the extended cut, now it's casting ambiguity on that. Was he lying the entire time? Or is Gollum lying now? It's never said. And so, you know, it, it basically complicates something that didn't really need to be complicated in the first place. You know, so, I don't know. Anyway, so like I say, uh, to me, it's clear. It's, it, it's obvious that the theatrical cut, that's the real cut of the movie. You know, cutting that stuff out was the right move. So in the end, there's really no denying that Re Return of the King, there's just no denying that it didn't need an extended version, at least for me. So, Return of the King, go theatrical cut or go home.